Jesus said, If another member of the church sins against you, go and point out the fault when the two of you are alone. If the member listens to you, you have regained that one. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Tertullian was a church father in the late uh, second century, and he records that in his day, um, the pagan Romans were amazed at the Christians and the Christian communities, the churches. He records that it, you could actually uh, frequently hear Roman citizens saying, see how these Christians love one another. It was this astounding, kind of baffling specter to their eyes. See how these Christians love one another. Um, I have to say that um, this sweet parish, uh, you guys, um, already model and live out this kind of Christian love. I know that just the, uh, coming up on a year since I've been here now, um, you've blessed me personally so much, and something I hear frequently on the lips of those who visit us and or, or, uh, new, join the church more recently uh, testify to is, wow, what a spirit of genuine warmth there is in this Christian community. So uh, this word is actually a word of encouragement, that you're doing great. And as Paul says often in his letters, you're doing great at this. Let me encourage you to keep doing that. That's sort of the, the ethos of this sermon. I want to look a little bit at the topic of, of Christian fellowship and, and what constitutes it. Um, to start with, uh, this passage from St. Paul's letter to the Romans is well worth uh, reading a few times because there's just so many exhortations back to back, kind of uh, very fast bullet points. But he, uh, he gives these are directions for the local church. He says that we are to show brotherly affection to each other. What a great phrase, brotherly affection. We're to show honor to each other. We, should be, we are to be patient together and constant in prayer for each other. Um, I was delighted to hear that one of the names that we pray for every Sunday on the prayer list, we can take off uh, because uh, the cancer is gone and the chemo is, is going very well. So we're doing that, constant in prayer for each other, helping each other out when there's a material need, as I've seen already so many times, seeking to show hospitality, rejoicing with those who rejoice. That's why we're throwing uh, a, a diaper drizzle uh, next month, uh, to rejoice with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. So reading that list, I hope you take some happy encouragement about uh, your contribution to this body of believers and also hopefully that you've received some of these things from fellow believers. There's, a, there's one exhortation in, in Romans chapter 12 which I want to um, tease out by way of our gospel reading. Um, the, the kind of the big idea that I want to put to you this morning, it's not that big an idea, the, the, the somewhat, somewhat sizable idea is that Christian community... Uh, lives or dies based on how we do conflict. Christian community lives or dies on how, as Christians, we do conflict. That's something that, uh, in these well-selected readings that uh, Wisdom from Ages Past put together, is our Lord Jesus and his servant St. Paul uh, are taking pains to point out. Because there's actually not much supernatural about being nice to each other when everything is nice and good. Right? Like he, as Jesus would say elsewhere, you know, even, the pay, even the Gentiles do that. It's easy to be good when times are good. Um, what would be supernatural is if we are kind and loving to each other when there's insult and offense and pain and difficulty and division in our midst. 
I realized as I was preparing this that this might sound like some sort of thing like, oh no, I know about some bad thing that's coming. I'm not, I'm not aware of any bad thing that's coming. Um, but certainly, just as being broken human beings, there will be these kind of troubles at some point in our life together, right? And as with all things, you know, one of the sort of maxims I heard in a sermon when I was a kid, which I live by in, in so many arenas, is that it's easier to put an anchor down before the storm comes, right? As we, you know, sorry, that's a bit kind of a metaphor close to home right now, I guess. Um, than it is to put an anchor down in the midst of a storm. Yeah, the, so the true test of Christian fellowship, uh, whether we really are guided by the Holy Spirit and not just sort of an institution of convenience, uh, is how we treat each other when there is hurt and, and offense and difficulty between us interpersonally. St. Paul uh, begins this list in Romans chapter 12 with a great charge, let love be genuine. Because it's so easy, right, with fallen human nature, as to use the words of the psalmist, to speak peace with our lips but hold bitterness in our heart. It would have maybe the appearance of love but destroy the substance. Love in the church must not be this kind of superficial thing. It must be genuine. We can't just say, oh yes, 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 I love that person. We actually have to do our own heart work to truly love one another. And in verse 18 of our reading, Paul gives this very... Uh, high and and practical direction when he says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And this is a high charge, right, because it's live peaceably with all, uh, not just those folk at church who you get along with the most or whose lifestyles or political convictions are most consonant with your own, uh, but living peaceably with all. Uh, And it's also eminently practical because he says, as far as it depends on you. Like even St. Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, recognizes that there are times that when we do everything that's in our power to keep peace, to reconcile a relationship, the other person won't shake our hand. And Paul's saying, sometimes they might not shake your hand, and that's okay. As long as you have done everything in your power to offer peace, uh, if reconciliation, actual reconciliation isn't possible, your conscience can still be clear. Um, I want to say as an aside, though, you know, we're always tricking ourselves, right, with our, because of our brokenness. I, I know from my own life, and tell me if this doesn't resonate with you, when there's a conflict, I offer some teeny tiny little olive branch. My heart's still hard, still kind of angry, but when that olive branch isn't accepted, I, I wash my hands and I say, oh, no, no, as far as it depends on me, I've done everything I can. <laughs> like far, far too quickly, when not a tenth of the work that would really be needed of humility and self-examination and patience would, that would really be needed for reconciliation has actually been extended. So let's, let's not let ourselves off the hook too, easy, too easily uh, with that phrase, as far as it depends on you. Okay, aside over. And I think also when Paul says live peaceably, he's not saying live without any conflict. That would be impossible this side of heaven. And I think I'm learning um, that this is especially useful to clarify down here in the South. Um, Because I've secretly been a student uh, while I've been here this last year, trying to pick up on, you know, what makes the wheels turn down here. And I've been learning that there are some real cultural differences uh, between down here and up north. I I think I'm discovering that deep down I'm actually, I've been a southerner all along. I just haven't known it till now. Uh, But that's another story. Uh, One of the things that I've learned down here is that there's a premium that's put on courtesy and good and kind speech. And that's a virtue. It's like really... It kind of surprises me like how much people would make an effort to speak with gentle words about things. And I think, frankly, uh, our northern brothers and sisters uh, have a lot to learn from this sort of deep uh, practice of genteel manners that is embedded in the culture here. 
But um, every societal virtue, when practiced to excess, can become a vice, right? So what might be the virtue of candor can shade off into rudeness. And what is the virtue of courtesy and, and good manners can shade off into um, sort of a, a sweep-it-under-the-rug mentality, it, which would be, lead to the insincerity, the speaking peace with the lips without finding, uh, making peace in the heart. It's a sort of... Uh, I picked up, and I'm not sort of trying to you know, passively indict any one of you. These are sort of general cultural observations. Um, for instance, when we delivered, uh, when Carrie delivered Jane, we had a fantastic crew of nurses, but there was one nurse in particular who was just terrible. I mean, I won't list all the big things that went wrong, but I wanted to call HR and say, just like, one of your nurses is just doing things terribly, and you should know about this. So I called HR and I said that. I said, you know, I want to praise these two nurses who are amazing, and there's one nurse, I think she really needs a little bit of a check-in with you guys. And the lady was like, oh my gosh, you're serious. Like, the idea of like, just candid negative feedback like, really rocked the boat. She put me through to the head of risk management. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm not calling to sue. I just wanted to give some feedback. So, so I'm not indicting any of you in particular. I'm just saying that these are some cultural things I've picked up on uh, down here. Yeah, right, right. I and mean, we say, God bless you. We speak peace with our lips, but in our heart, right? Right. That's exactly one of the symptoms. Um, so uh, I think what the, the scripture, especially the gospel, which I want to come to now, um, what they charge us to is to seek the peace on the other side of healthy conflict done well, rather than trying to kind of keep some sort of peace on this side of avoiding conflict. Jesus actually is encouraging us to work out conflict when there's sin against us in our midst. And, then, and really this is intimidating, to, not just to southerners, but to all human beings, right? Like, who wants more conflict? Not me. But the plain uh, letter of the gospel can't be ignored. Uh, Jesus is actually giving us sort of a relationship 101 kind of step-by-step guidebook, right? Like I think one of the dangers of presenting the gospel in our generation is sort of uh, using it as just a foil for self-help. Like the gospel is so much more than self-help, right? It's being invited into an eternal worshipping body of believers bringing glory to God the Father through the Spirit's uh, operation in our lives. I mean, it's so much bigger than self-help. But certainly in the midst of it, there are very practical, self-helpy type things in the midst. And I think this passage uh, is one of those, giving us very practical uh, direction, not just to improve ourselves, but for the peace of the, among the people of God. I think what's really interesting in, in hearing uh, Matthew chapter 18 is to, I realize in preparing for this morning's sermon that we actually, most of us, fail at the very first word of the commandment. He says, if another member of the church sins against you, go to him or her. I mean, how often is that the first thing we do when someone has sinned against us? Aren't we, if you're anything like me, the inclination is to do the exact opposite, right? It's not to go and sort of have this face-to-face encounter with someone who's hurt us. It's to sort of sit and brood and lick wounds. And, and maybe if I'm going to go anywhere, it's not to the person, but to find kind of a third-party ally who I can process with, you know, and I kind of share all these things. Like, what, pick your ruse, which we sort of hide the sin of gossip under, right? And we strategize privately about what quiet revenges we might take on the person who's offended us. And, and we'll be sure to be extra sensitive about this particular issue forever. And that sort of basic human instinct is the exact opposite of what Jesus says we must do if we wish to live in real peace among the people of God in relationship with fellow brothers and sisters. If we want real peace and genuine love, as Paul exhorts us to, we have to go straight away to the person who sinned against us. 
So there's a couple sort of finer points within this teaching which I just want to uh, unpack a little bit. Um, first notice that Jesus is saying when someone's uh, sinned against you, which is a higher bar than just being offended, right? Like we can actually be offended and it's not because the other person sinned against us, we just didn't like what the person said. <laughs> and more often than not, it's because the shoe fits and we don't want to admit it, right? When someone comes to me and says, yeah, Father Ben, you need to do more of this and more of that, I, my first impulse is, no, I don't, you're coming against me. But it's, oh, if I, you know, with a bit of reflection, it's maybe overstated, but there actually is probably something true there. And I, and I do need to work on that. So they haven't sinned against me. God is actually using that person to point out my sins and struggles. So we need to be careful to not think like anytime someone steps on our toes, I need to go confront them about it. Right? That would, we'd have a lot of unnecessary conflicts <laughs> among us if that happened. But it's to really think carefully then, uh, after sort of looking and seeing, you know, does the shoe fit? Why am I upset? Has this person sinned against me? If there's a real sin, um, that after you've kind of, as Jesus would say elsewhere, examined the log in your own eye, if there's a speck that really has hurt you, um, to not just sit and nurse that wound forever, but to go to the person and say, you, you've hurt me. And, and maybe that encounter might go badly, and that's why Jesus gives all these sort of secondary steps. Like, if that encounter blows up, go get another Christian as a mediator to sort of help substantiate what happened and to be sort of an agent of peace and reconciliation. And if that person doesn't work out, well, then go to the church. And I think uh, most practically, the interpretation of that is come to me or, or some wise old Christian in the parish and bring them uh, into the conflict as well to seek peace. Um, also notice that the Bible says... Uh, Go and point out the fault. Which, if you think about it, you wouldn't have to go anywhere to point out a fault if you sort of were addressing it in the heat of the moment, right? I think part of this sort of built-in wisdom of this phrasing, like every word of Scripture being God-breathed, right, is that you, with conflict, you actually don't want to strike while the iron is hot. Um, that striking when the iron's hot, that's when all the sparks fly and you burn the shop down. Um, it's actually best to cool down. Proverbs 29 says... If, do you see a man who's hasty with his words? There's more hope for a fool than for him. That it's good to let the passions cool, to sort of calmly reflect on what you need to own for yourself and let everything kind of calm down so you can come back, go to the person after the conflict, the, the sin, and say calmly, you did this to me and it really hurt and I, I, I think you're in the wrong. And I want to be at peace together. I want to keep living harmoniously together. Will you work this out with me? Do you recognize what you've done? and to try and seek, seek that peace. Then uh, it can be a useful word uh, after the heat of the moment. And notice that Jesus is very clear to say this must be done one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, you know, if any of you have ever tried to call something out in a group setting, have seen how well that goes. Uh, and I think translating it into the 21st century, you know, this also means avoiding sort of media that get in the way of real human one-to-one -one, uh, contacts. And so Facebook is not a good place for conflicts, right? Text messages are not a good thing, place to try and reconcile. Um, my, yeah, my, I was with my mum last week, and uh, she was telling me about how she had a friend who gave her this behavior advice, and my mum tried to text her this really challenging word. And she said, it blew up, and I don't know why. And I was like, mum, it's because you texted. Why would you do that? Go to her in person. She's five miles away. We have to, I think, as Christians, you know, we've... we've who have been saved by the God who became incarnate, we, have, uh, we value showing up in the flesh. And, and showing up in person is always the best way to approach difficulty and when someone's sinned against you and working out these things together. 
I think most of the time, just step one will be enough. With God's help, uh, sought through prayer beforehand, um, you don't need often to go to steps two and three of calling in someone else and calling in a priest. That's, that's with an extremely rare situation. Most of the time, we should be able to work this out one-to-one. Um, and I, I actually would ask you to sort of inward, to consider inwardly resolving, even now, before there's any storms or any big sort of conflicts or divisions or difficulties with, between you and someone else in the church or that are big in the church or whatever, just to resolve that, yeah, I'm going to follow the path that Jesus lays out in Matthew 18. I'm not going to go sort of nurse wounds forever or gossip, but I'm going to take on these things head on with the person I need to come square, square face to face with. Uh, I, I, I'd, I'd plead with you to resolve to, to inwardly, even today, that that would be your course of action because it's so important. If we don't have that commitment, we, you know, sins against each other and difficulties will snowball and become worse and the wound will fester. It's, Jesus has given us these directions for our health as a parish together. Um, it's my hope and prayer that um, you know, well, there will be conflicts that come up against me, against each other, whatever happens. My hope is that by doing them well, we'll actually grow in our love for each other. Like any of you who've been married for a long time have experienced this, right? That you can actually grow through conflicts. The, the muscle can actually become stronger through trial. And I pray that that would be true for us as a parish too, so that there might even be a reputation around town of, oh yeah, they, you know, they work through stuff together, but wow, see how they love one another. Wouldn't it be amazing if some non-Christian like, heard about how we handled a conflict and said, wow, those Christians, that's different. They, went, they, they, they hit that issue head on rather than text messaging and going crazy and blowing everything up about it. See how these Christians love one another. Um, just one final thing I want to add to conflict. There's so much that can be said about conflict. I'm not a therapist and I'm, a good therapist would give you a million more useful points for how to do conflict well. This is just some of the things that I've been gleaning from Matthew 18. And there's one more, I think, which is sort of uh, not made explicit, but uh, is clear from what else Jesus teaches about these things. Um, that when you head into that encounter of saying to someone, you've hurt me, this sort of very honest, uh, like humble thing to say, it's so important that you already have forgiveness in the barrel. Right? That you're all ready to offer forgiveness. That it's not, you're not sort of waiting for them to grovel and apologize, but that you would actually copy the character of our Lord who freely forgave us. Before we ever responded, before we even recognized the fault, there was readiness, a desire to forgive. That's really, I think, sort of the secret ingredient uh, to conflict done well, is that there isn't a desire to see the other person pay or be sort of inwardly be humiliated or punished for what they've done, uh, but to forgive freely. The moment... Uh, that you can. The very first opportunity to say, I forgive you. Um, the Desert Fathers would say the great, the master work of Christian relationships is to forgive even before the other person's apologized. And I think that, that should be the goal. So I invite you to keep that in mind, uh, that as we once again on a Sunday come to remember the forgiveness we've been given by Jesus in this holy meal at the table, uh, that that would be a pattern for encountering conflict together, offering forgiveness freely. Amen.